following contest is scheduled for one Hey, hey, it's your boy KJ, and welcome back to the Rope Den Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We are here just days away from NXT TakeOver Portland. Now, they usually tend to have some cooler names. Uh, I know they do like Brooklyn and stuff, but Brooklyn is a cool-sounding word. So, I understand why they use the word Brooklyn, but Portland? Eh, not my favorite NXT TakeOver name, but... You know, the card looks good. So we'll get into that later. But how are you guys? Are you guys good? I'm sure you are. I'm sure all of you are screaming right now at your phones or wherever you're listening to this. You're like, yes, yes, I'm good, KJ. How are you? And I am good. I'm good. You know, um, the the country that I live in has uh, is, is sort of phasing out the winter right now. And we're entering that dreaded heat. And it's so bad here because it goes up to... In Celsius, it's about like 50 degrees. I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit. You can calculate it. But yeah, it's, um, it's it's you know, I love the wintertime here. Wintertime is amazing. So uh, I'm not looking forward to the heat. Not at all. Unfortunately, my, my birthday falls in July, which is bang in the middle of the heat. But, you know, ah, c'est la vie, right? Um, so yeah, a, a lot of stuff in terms of news before we get to the takeover predictions, which I'll be doing on the show. Uh, well, uh, WrestleMania is coming up, WrestleMania 36, and uh, WrestleMania 37 has been announced to take place in L.A., Los Angeles. Uh, there's a SoFi Stadium, which is being constructed as we speak, and uh, according to Stephanie McMahon on WWE Backstage, the this stadium is going to be incredible. It's going to be fantastic. Some futuristic shit where you can project on both sides of the ceiling of the stadium, which is incredible. That sounds amazing. So, I'm really looking forward to to hopefully going to that WrestleMania because it sounds like it's going to be mental. And WrestleMania goes Hollywood, so hopefully we get those really cool um, vignettes of uh, you know the wrestlers doing. Uh, famous movies, which was amazing the last time. It was WrestleMania 21, if I'm not mistaken. And they did those those vignettes. And it was so much fun. It was so cool. Great to see. And yeah, so I'm looking forward to WrestleMania 37. But we have WrestleMania 36 before that. And WrestleMania 36 so far looks really good. Uh, we've got a few matches that seem to sort of be taking place. We've got Brock Lesnar versus Drew McIntyre. We've got Edge versus Randy Orton, which is my main event in my heart. Uh, we've got uh, we've got Shayna Baszler versus Becky Lynch potentially, Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte potentially, depending on how Takeover Portland goes. But I'm pretty sure it's going to be Rhea Ripley. And uh, yeah, so there's still a lot of matches to build, a lot of stuff to to build towards. And I'm excited, man. I'm really, really excited for all this. So um, there's there's a lot happening in the world of professional wrestling, especially as we we edge closer to WrestleMania because that's the time where you know. All the all the closeted wrestling fans come alive, and all the ones that sort of you know step away from wrestling for a bit come back in for you know WrestleMania. So this is the time where WWE needs to put on the best shows, and unfortunately, SmackDown has been garbage. It really has. It's not. It's not improving. Like maybe this week was a a minute improvement, but again, still for me, not watchable. Not a watchable show. I don't enjoy it. So. 
I watch it for you guys. Anyways, um, so WrestleMania in LA, um, that's in 2021. Uh, another bit of news, Simone Johnson, a.k.a. The Rock's daughter, has joined the Performance Center, NXT Performance Center, and she will be training to become a professional wrestler. Now, she's been training for a while. I know this because I read it before, like earlier, like maybe months ago. And uh, she, so I know she was training earlier, and now she's in the Performance Center I guess they were assessing her. They're like, okay, you know, we can probably train you and stuff. And I guess even if she wasn't great, I'm sure they would have been like, listen, you know, you're the Rock's daughter. You you're gonna have to do this. This is this is your life now. So uh, yeah. So she basically uh, came on to the the performance center scene, and uh, apparently the Rock was there one of the days helping her out. Apparently, so for her, I feel like there's a lot of pressure, obviously. And a lot of people are like, oh, she, her gimmick has to be this, it has to be that, oh, she should do this. She it's like, guys, the girl's still in Performance Center. She still has to develop a character. She still has to develop her in-ring work. She has so much work to do. Like, she has to train her flexibility. She has to she has to figure out which direction she wants to go as a performer, what her end goal is, work towards that. Does she want to be a champion? Uh, does she want to work in the tag team division? Does she want to, like... There's so many options for her, and she has to figure all that out before everyone starts booking everything for her. And she's got a lot of pressure. She could, as they keep see, like, you know, that beating that drum constantly, where they're like, "Oh, she's she could be the first ever fourth generation superstar." Yeah, because they even mentioned it on SmackDown, didn't they? There's any any chance they get to talk about The Rock, they do. So, um, I mean, I guess they they're a huge part of why The Rock is The Rock, right? The Rock owes a debt of gratitude to WWE. But at the same time, it's like, okay, guys, you know, maybe back off a little bit and stop force, forcing her down our throats. Because, like, if you if you go back and look at the history of The Rock, The Rock had all these vignettes leading up to his debut. He debuted on a pay-per-view, which is a massive deal, right? If you debut on a pay-per-view, well, and today, like, you have to sort of go through the NXT thing. But, for example, in recent history, AJ Styles. AJ Styles debuted on a pay-per-view. And AJ Styles had the name. And AJ Styles is AJ Styles. So, he could debut on a pay-per-view in WWE programming. But The Rock never never wrestled a big match before. Let's say like, I mean, people might have seen him perhaps on the indies and stuff. I'm not sure where he started. But he came out and, and was was on live television survivor series which is one of the big four and that's a big fucking deal so if the rock came in and then he had all this pressure on him and then he won the match and then after that it was just like people hated him they're like fuck this guy who the fuck is he we don't understand him you know and that's what you don't want to do with simone johnson when she comes in you want her to organically grow look at charlotte flair right i've been getting shit for saying charlotte flair is is a better wrestler than than Ric Flair, right? Ric Flair is not my style of wrestling. I don't like that style of wrestling. Charlotte Flair is more my type of wrestling. I like her style. I like her in-ring. I like how she mixes the aerial with the ground and it's just I like I like that. I like it when there's there's, you know, you can you can go into your well or you go into your arsenal of of quote unquote weapons and choose what you need to defeat a certain wrestler, right? 
And I don't think Ric Flair could do that. Ric Flair, by all means, Ric Flair wrestled good matches. I'm not saying he was a bad wrestler. He's just not my style of wrestler. I don't like wrestling to look goofy. When when you'd punch Ric Flair and he'd take three steps and flop, right? The Ric Flair flop, the famous Ric Flair flop. It's good if it's that's like a gimmick, right? Like say if you see it on occasion, it's like oh, it's funny, you know. Triple H, uh, Triple H. Wow, I just went Ric Flair. Uh, I just went William Regal. Um, Triple H. Um, Rick uh, Rick Flair and Triple H both did that. So there was this one match where Triple H. Uh, it's a very famous, very old match. I think it was with DX, and uh, Triple H got punched by someone, and he was just standing there and just like. Is he going to fall? Is he going to fall? Is he going to fall? And then he's like, oh, okay, I'm good. And he turns around. He just falls. So, like, if, you've, you, if you know what I'm talking about, that Triple H did that, but it was very goofy and it was just a one-time thing, right? I'm okay with that. I'm absolutely fine with that being a one-off thing, if it's a dark match, whatever fuck you want to do. But I don't like it when it becomes a goofy gimmick thing, you know? Like, it, it just, to me, it seems, like, very silly, like, I'd watch that in a comedy movie. Ric Flair doing the flop, I'd see that in comedy. And I don't like seeing that in ring because it makes it feel like, oh, okay, this is like, it's it's cartoony, you know? Whereas some guys are just like, they're trying to kill each other and fucking there's blood dripping and stuff. I don't see, I, I'm sure you guys get the point, but that's, that's, that's kind of why I don't like the Ric Flair matches. So, again, Charlotte Flair organically grew. Simone Johnson could organically grow. She has a lot of work to do before she even gets to that point. I don't know what, how athletic she is. She's If she comes from the Samoan family, the Samoan girls typically that have been in professional wrestling are kind of like the big built ones. I mean, like Tamina did a splash, but that's just like jumping. And she sort of like almost land on her feet and then just fall over. Like, I mean, I know she didn't do that, but like it just it seemed that way. Nia Jax as well. She's like a big girl, you know? So... I don't know. I don't know if she's going to be very athletic, more luchador style or or even like, you know, uh, the Japanese wrestling style. Um, there's there's different styles of wrestling. And who knows? You know, who knows which direction she's going to go? So, again, a lot of pressure on her. Hope to see her in the near future. But I want to see her when she's ready. I don't want to see her before that because, you know, again, and I hope her character is good because I hope I hope some of her dad's rubbed off on her, you know. Um, now here's a little bit of, uh, sad news, uh, in terms of NXT, uh, if you are a fan of this lady, well, um, I'm sorry to say, apparently Kathy Kelly has, has resigned from WWE and NXT Portland is going to be her last venture with them. So, uh, she, she apparently took it to, to Instagram and she said that uh, she's she's going to be resigning, and this is uh, NXT Takeover Portland is going to be the last one that she does, which is very very unfortunate because I think Kathy Kelly is really good. Um, besides the fact that she's dropped that gorgeous, um, she she was also really really good uh, in her position. I think <laughs> as a backstage announcer. Excuse me. Um, this is so I'm just going to read out what she posted on Instagram. She says. I've typed out and deleted this about 20 times over the past few days, still unsure what to write. I've come to a decision to leave WWE with Sunday's NXT TakeOver being my last day. If you know me, you know this was more than a job. You know how much I loved it and how difficult this decision was. 
but sometimes in order to have room for growth, you have to step away. I am so thankful for getting to live out a crazy dream the past four years. Thank you to the WWE Digital team uh, for being a platform that never stifled creativity. Thank you to Stephanie McMahon for being a mentor and inspiration in every way. Thank you to Triple H for heading up the best wrestling show currently on TV and letting me be a part of it. And thank you to everyone who has supported me, whether it's a watching a video I've done or sending a tweet of encouragement. Words cannot begin to describe. Uh, sorry, words cannot begin to express how much it means. I'm not sure where my next chapter will take me, but I am damn excited for it. And I promise this isn't a goodbye. It's just a see you later, Kathy Kelly. Um, so yeah, again, I think I think she was really good in her position. Um, I think she did a good job. She's um, she was she was. The thing is, right? She's she's a very pretty lady, and sometimes like these these good looking people are sort of distracting in that position as as an announcer and stuff uh, or backstage reporter or whatever the fuck you want to call it interviewer um she was i felt like she, as much as as attractive as she is she never sort of you know glammed herself up to that that point where they were like where she was distracting you know like if you see jen decker for example on aew sometimes she's very distracting because of how good looking she is you know and sometimes you don't want that you want you don't want the superstars to be overshadowed in any sense by by the interviewer you know that's why like tom phillips and stuff when he was the backstage interviewer he had to like fucking spread his legs wide open because he was really tall and you don't want to look taller than the wrestler so again like it comes in you know like there, there are things that people do and i'm sure maybe they, they told her like listen you can't be too glammed up and stuff but i think she she was very subtle and she was she was a proper proper interviewer which i really liked so again it's uh it's unfortunate that she's leaving because she's really good at what she does uh, but, you know, I wish her all the best. And hopefully, you know, again, as she said, see you later. All right. So, okay, let's get into the Raw show that we had this past week because uh, we'll do the predictions at the end. Uh, the show starts off with Seth Rollins and his team. Why don't they have a fucking name for this team? Buddy Murphy lost his name. He's now Murphy, right? So he's only Murphy. Murphy. They lost the name as opposed to getting a name. They're supposed to be having a fucking name by now. They're supposed to be a a faction, and and they're supposed to be titled something, and they're not. Instead, they lost someone in their team. Lost a name. Doesn't make any sense to me. All right. So uh, Murphy, AOP, Seth Rollins come down to the ring. They start talking. Kevin Owens interrupts them. Then eventually Viking Raiders show up. They all end up in a brawl. Seth Rollins is standing in the ring. Samoa Joe making his awaited return from that little concussion thing that he had a few weeks ago. Comes in and chokes Seth Rollins out. The good guys stand tall in the ring. And then Becky Lynch's music hits. Um, Becky Lynch comes to the ring. And it is time for her match with Asuka. <laughs> uh, well, if you don't know why I said that, it's because I have a video on uh, my YouTube channel where Big Show, uh, so we were doing the, um, this is the infamous Becky Lynch Jenga thing, uh, Big Show and uh, there are a few people there, they're all, you know, doing this uh, charity event, right, where for uh, WWE was with Special Olympics and it was really nice and Big Show announced Asuka's name as Asuka, so that's kind of where I got it from. 
Anyways. Um, right, so we we have a match between Asuka and Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, Kyrie Sane would attempt to get involved, but, yep, Becky Lynch managed to uh, stand tall. And then Becky Lynch hits a move, kind of like the rock bottom. Uh, was this the manhandle slam, or was that something else? I don't remember. So, anyways, she hits a move, kind of like the rock bottom. Uh, puts Asuka away for the one, two, three. Becky Lynch retains her title. But right after the match, Shayna Baszler shows up. So this was a spoiler of sorts because it was all over Twitter and people were talking about it. So, yeah, um, Shayna Baszler shows up and she's like, all right, I'm going to kick your ass, Becky. And she she begins to put Becky in the cure food clutch, but then she stops and she's like, you know what? I'm about to do something different. She takes out her mouth guard and bites Becky Lynch on the back of her neck. Yeah. That is, I'm not exaggerating. Shayna Baszler bit Becky Lynch on the back of her fucking neck. And then when she she came out of the bite, covered in blood on her face, and Becky's like, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. I was like, what the fuck is going on? What is this? So I'm just going to discuss everything that happens in the segment right now. Uh, so Becky Lynch is then taken to the back. She tried to put her in an ambulance. She's like, no, fuck that. She kicks the door closed. And then she gets into the front. She pulls the driver out. She's like, I'm driving. She goes to the hospital, apparently, comes back. And then she goes into uh, she goes into the ring and she cuts a promo about how she's like, all right, I'm going to fuck you up, Shayna Baszler. You, you know, you better find me before I find you. And I was like, oh, okay. Shayna Baszler versus Becky Lynch at WrestleMania? Which, which it would make sense because, you know, Shayna, Shayna has that that thing where she could be like, well, fuck you, Becky. Um, you dropped me after Survivor Series and uh, I, I actually won the match. So, fuck you. She has a legit case. Um, later on, we get uh, Street Profits versus Mojo Rawley and Riddick Moss. Street Profits win. Riddick Moss rolls up Mojo Rawley to win the 24-7 championship. Cool. Uh, MVP, who I thought was gone forever, is now back um, in a segment called the VIP Lounge, if you remember from back in the day. His guest is Drew McIntyre. Drew comes in. Um, MVP is like, listen, I could be you know, the Paul Heyman to your Brock Lesnar. And the Scottish psychopath is like, nope. Not happening. And then he beats up MVP with a Claymore. And yeah, everyone was like, cool. Um, I liked I liked how McIntyre is is holding his own. Even in like somewhat poor segments, he comes out on top, which is what I like. But they still need to like do other shit with him. Because like, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I really like Drew McIntyre. But... Put, start putting him in better segments, please, because we don't need this bullshit. Put him in, like, big... Like, make him defeat big guys so we can believe that he's going to beat Brock Lesnar, you know? That's the whole thing. You need to build that up. I guess they have some time, so whatever. Uh, we have a match between Angel Garza and Cedric Alexander. Uh, Angel Garza wins, and Zelina Vega is by Angel Garza's side throughout this match. So, is he just, like, the new Andrade? So, what's going to happen? I don't know. Um, right, so... Yeah, this was okay, I guess. Um, we had a backstage altercation between Rhea Ripley and Sarah Logan. Excuse me, I just almost, I just, I don't know what was going on there. My throat was about to, like, explode. Um, 
Right, so Sarah Logan and Rhea Ripley get into some confrontation backstage. They come out and they have a match. Rhea Ripley beats Sarah Logan, and then Charlotte comes out to the flare, points at the... Charlotte comes out to the flare? Is that what I said? Charlotte comes out to the flare? Charlotte comes out to the ring, and she points at the WrestleMania sign. That was so weird. And uh, Rhea Ripley stands in the ring, holding her title, looking dominant. I think this match could be... It could steal the show if, if they do it right. They're, they're really both really, really good. We then get a match between Bobby Lashley and Ricochet. Ricochet just has to beat a few people until Super Showdown so that people think he could beat Brock Lesnar, but we all know that's not going to happen. And, uh, yeah, Ricochet hits Bobby Lashley with a 630 senton and wins. So, uh, yeah, cool. Big shit. Uh, Randy Orton comes out. He starts talking that uh, in, to the crowd finally. He's like... You know, whatever happened to Edge hurt me more than it hurt him. And then suddenly, Matt Hardy comes out. Matt Hardy comes out and says, he talks about his history with Edge. He's like, you know, everyone knows there's there's no secret uh, what happened between me and him. Uh, everyone starts chanting for Lita. Um, he says that there was a point where no one hated Edge more than I do. I think he meant I did. Because I saw them at the the Hall of Fame and stuff, and they hugged, and it's it's all water under the bridge, I'm sure. And then Matt Hardy's like, you know, uh, after everything was done, uh, when Edge got hurt, and when he when he had to retire, he he reached out to me, and he would keep telling me, you know, what if, what if they're just playing on what Edge said, and uh, Matt Hardy's like, yeah, you know, um, uh, my hate my hate for him died out when he had to retire, and and we became friends again. He was my best friend. You know, and then uh, Randy's like, listen, and then he goes for an RKO, but Matt Hardy counters and they end up in a brawl. But then eventually Randy Orton hits the RKO and then does the concerto again. And yeah, everyone booed. This was really good. Matt Hardy, finally, Matt Hardy bringing up the whole storyline with Edge and stuff was excellent. It was so good because it made me like it gave me that sense of realism because whatever happened was real and everything he he acknowledged in the ring about everything that happened between those two guys it felt like closure to me it genuinely did it 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 gave me so many I hate using this because it's so vastly used but it gave me feels you know what I mean like it made me feel something and that's rare in wrestling today I feel it's just like match 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 crazy high spot high spot high spot crazy crazy shit crazy shit pin you know, like storytelling, I feel is becoming a lost art. And I, and these are the older guys that know how important it is for storylines. And and that's kind of why, like, Seth Rollins is not connecting with people now. Roman Reigns doesn't connect with people. Um, John Cena in the start wasn't, but then he started connecting with people. Um, like Brock Lesnar comes out, doesn't have a match except for in pay-per-views. But it's all storylines built and like promos and shit like that. And that's what gets you invested in a match. You don't want to see these guys fight it out. So I love that. You know, I absolutely loved it. Now, I don't know if this is the retirement of Matt Hardy from WWE or the resignation or whatever the fuck you want to call it. But he he's, he put out some tweets, something along the lines of like, all right, see a WWE or some shit like that. Or see a Monday night. I'm not sure what it was exactly, but something along those lines. But yeah, so this was really good. I was so happy to see Matt Hardy cut a good, good promo. And uh, everything he said about Edge and stuff was excellent. I, I loved it. I loved every bit of it. Really, really well done. Um, and Randy, or kudos to Randy Orton. He's a fucking piece of shit. But yeah, like he's doing his piece of shit work really well. 
Uh, we get a match between Akira Tozawa and Aleister Black. Aleister Black destroys him with a black mask within within two minutes. So, yeah, quick work. Um, and then, yeah, and then we have uh, the main event of the evening, which is the Viking Raiders, uh, Kevin Owens and Samojo versus AOP, Murphy, and Seth Rollins. Uh, this was a four on four, and it just as every four on four, it just goes back and forth. But then Samojo had Buddy Murphy in the Coquina clutch, uh, but then as he was bent over, putting the clutch on him, Seth Rollins comes in, hits the stomp, and then Buddy Murphy, or sorry, Murphy, I'm not gonna say Buddy anymore. Uh, Murphy slowly crawls over him and covers him for the win. So uh, yeah, um, this was this was that. That's how Raw ended. Cool, right? Jumping over to SmackDown. Good God, here we go. Uh, it starts off with... Well, it starts off amazing. With a moment of bliss. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross come out. They start talking about their man crushes for some reason. And just before Alexa Bliss said my name, well, Nikki Cross was like, Brad Pitt. I was like, all right. It's okay, Alexa. It's okay. We don't need to tell the world just, just yet. It's okay. Um... <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so uh, they call out to Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss, call out Carmella, who won the Fatal 4-Way match last week. And Carmella is like, uh, I don't know, Bailey and I were best friends. I feel like, look, I don't understand this. Everyone at some point is best friends with everyone. They're just all best friends. Alexa Bliss was best friends with Nia Jax. Then Alexa Bliss was best friends with Ember Moon, or is best friends with Ember Moon. And she's also best friends with Nikki Cross. And then Carmella is best friends with Bailey. She's also best friends with uh, Naomi. And she's best friends. Like, there's too many best friends, man. Best is one. Bailey's best friend, Carmella. Bailey's best friend, Sasha Banks. Becky's best friend, Charlotte. Charlotte's best friend, Becky. Bailey. I'm Fucking hell. Decide. Pick. Choose. What the fuck? It's so confusing. I don't understand. Everyone's best friends with everyone. Jeez. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Carmela's sitting there. She's like, he was my best friend. And then Bailey comes out. He's like, no, blah, blah, blah. Sasha was my best friend. And don't bring Sasha into this. It has nothing to do with Sasha. And then they're like, all right, well, let's have our match now. So Carmela versus Bailey takes place on SmackDown. Honestly, a really good Carmela match. I'm surprised. Carmela finally put on a good match. And, you know, obviously, kudos to Bailey. First, you know, keeping her her end up, but uh, yeah, um, Carmella puts the code of silence on Bailey counters, uh, which was very a unique sort of counter. She sort of threw Carmella's. So when she does the code of silence, Carmella's balancing on that one arm. So Bailey just sort of you know took the arm out from under her, and uh, Carmella fell, dropped, and the the code of silence broke, and then uh, Bailey sort of uh, gets a pinfall but her feet she she does this like huge hurricanrana from the top rope and then uh, uh, what's it called uh, sorry this is Carmella who did it uh, only gets a near fall and then uh, Bailey eventually stacks her up and puts her feet on the on the ropes and retains the title so it's like oh goofy finish yay uh, after the match Bailey attacks Carmella but then Naomi comes to the ring and both men sort of beat her up and uh, yeah, Carmella versus Naomi announced for next week, and the winner gets to face Bailey in a title match at Super Showdown. Cool. So they're having another match at Super Showdown. Carmella versus Bailey, I guess again. 
Oh boy. Um, this whole thing was like a fourth of the show, by the way. I'm just saying. Uh, we have a match between Sheamus versus Shorty G and Apollo Crews. Um, handicap match two on one. Sheamus wins. Big shit. Uh, Hogan is then seen via satellite, which was interesting. And he, he's sort of warning the fiend. He's like, listen, man, like I faced Goldberg in his prime and he defeated me for the title. You don't know what's going to happen. But then the Firefly Funhouse with the with the NWO sort of graphic, you know, interrupts. And Bray Wyatt comes out with the, he's strumming the, the guitar as if he's strumming the, well, he's strumming the title as if he's strumming guitar. As Hogan has done so infamously over the years, or Hollywood Hogan, let's say. And uh, so he comes out strumming the guitar and he rips his shirt and then he's like, well, you know, let's see. I've, I've got a fiend. So, yeah, I don't think he's going to lose to Goldberg. Um, it was good to see Hogan in a good sort of promo. Um, but I f- always feel like all Hogan does is just put himself over constantly. You know, I mean, he had to at some point because he was talking about the Hall of Fame induction of the NWO. But at the same time, it's like, all right, just calm the fuck down, man. You just... You're all about like putting yourself over all the fucking time, so whatever. But yeah, it was a good, it was a good thing nonetheless. It, you know, I liked it, and uh, I'm sure, I'm sure this will be an okay match now that there's some sort of build. And I believe next week Goldberg is coming to SmackDown. I'm not sure yet, but yeah, I think that's what's happening. Um, live by satellite, cool. Uh, we then get a. Uh, this is really weird. We had a protest concert. By Sami Zayn and Cesaro. Uh, this sort of ran on for way too long. Um, Elias interrupts them. He comes into the ring. He sits on the top turnbuckle while they're performing. Everyone starts chanting for a cowbell, which Cesaro was playing. So Cesaro throws it away. Um, Sami Zayn had a ukulele, so he was playing that, but he didn't know how to play it. And at some point, I think they're cued to like attack uh, Elias. So Cesaro just goes to attack Elias. And it was kind of weird, but yeah, it was just blah, 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 just attacking each other. It was just I, whatever. And then, oh, yeah, when they have the advantage, Braun Strowman comes out. So cool. Big shit. Now, here's the bit that I was waiting for for such a long time and somewhat disappointed, but also got a good thing out of it. Okay. So throughout the night, we see Otis getting ready for his date with Mandy Rose. They're getting ready. And then um, eventually Otis is, you know, he's like, uh, he goes to the restaurant. Mandy Rose is waiting for him. And he gets to the restaurant and he's got flowers in his hand. And he's ready. He's really nervous. He goes around. And then they show a camera shot of Mandy Rose sitting at the table. The camera, uh, someone puts his hand on her shoulder. Camera pans up and it's Dolph Ziggler. And he's like, hey, Mandy. And then the next shot is Otis walking to the table he sees Dolph and Mandy sitting down and and then Otis is just like heartbroken. It was so sad, man. I know it's fake. I you want to call wrestling fake, call it fake, man. You want to call it scripted, call it scripted, but it fucking sucked watching Otis with that expression on his face. It was so sad. I was like, "No. No, Otis, no." I I actually screamed at my TV. I was like, "No! Why? Why Otis? Why?" No, I was really upset for the guy. So, um, yeah, and I don't know why Dolph Ziggler and Mandy Rose ended up having dinner. Why? Why? Fucking asshole. So, uh, yeah, 
I was really upset. But, um, yeah, they sort of needed... To, I wish they had... The the editing of this segment was done a little better. Um, because you sort of saw it coming a mile away, right? Like, she's waiting, and then eventually someone else is going to sit down, and he's like... I don't know. And plus, the restaurant that they built, quote-unquote restaurant, it was so obvious it was in the arena. It was kind of... Like, when he walked through the door, just close the door. Because you can see, like, the fucking hallway outside. It was... Like, these are small mistakes that they need to fix so that, you know, someone is, like, completely immersed in the story. And, like, these are these are small things, but I don't know. And I feel like Otis is going to beat the shit out of Dolph, which is okay. I, I kind of like Dolph, but not here. Not here. You don't do this to Otis. No. Um, and our main event of the evening was Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan versus uh, John Morrison and The Miz, The Dirt Sheet. I don't know if they're still going by that or not, but I'm just, I don't know. Um, and uh, so Bryan was not, uh, he was he was a surprise um, appearance in this match, I guess. he was. Uh, Roman Reigns had to find a partner. He eventually did, and it was Daniel Bryan. Bryan comes to the ring. They have a decent-ish match, I guess. Um, Morrison works great and uh, Brian was really good so uh, we had some good workers in this match but eventually um, the match ends with a Roman Reigns spear cool um, so he pins Miz by the way now here's the thing right uh, throughout the show we were told that because of Baron Corbin's actions last week where he sort of insulted that fan put the, the drink or whatever over his head he was suspended this week from the show but after the after the fucking match, Baron Corbin comes out and attacks Roman Reigns. Like what the fuck? And then he goes up to the ramp, and his throne is just there. So if you're suspended, why do you allow his throne in? And you allow people to put it there? What the fuck? It's so dumb. Like these are things you should fucking pay attention to. Uh, man, this show is so like. Besides this Otis Mandy thing, I just don't want to watch any of this shit. Like I'm, 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 I'm actually scrolling up right now, and perhaps, perhaps if I'm really stretching it, Fiend and Goldberg has somewhat of my attention, but even that is barely. This is so bad, so so fucking bad. Let's jump over to the Wednesday Night War, which is good. Um, Bronson Reed versus Roderick Strong is our opening match. Roderick Strong comes out to the ring, and uh, well, actually, I should have prefaced that. Basically, Roderick Strong comes out and he's like talking about Velveteen Dream crossing a line, you know, wearing his uh, his wife, child, and his face on his on his uh, gear. Uh, Strong is angry about that. Bronson Reed comes out. And he's like, "Listen, you attacked me, so I'm about to fuck you up." Um, in the middle of the match, the Velveteen Dream's uh, purple lights come on. This almost distracts Strong to a point where he lost the match, but he didn't. He managed to recover and get the win. After after that, Velveteen Dream shows up on the big screen. On the Titantron, I guess. I don't know. Uh, he shows up and he, again, shoots down to his, uh, his gear with Marina Shafir and their child. And, obviously, <laughs> his face, too. Um, and then he, he says that, uh, Roddy, you may have lost the... The NXT uh, North American title, but I can take something else from you. Don't worry. After I beat your ass, I will take care of Marina and uh, make all her dreams come true or some shit like that. So I was like, oh, shit. 
<laughs> you don't want to do that. That's bad. So, uh, but yeah, it, it, I think I think this will be good. Their match is taking place next week. So it's not on TakeOver, but there are already so many matches on TakeOver, so I guess that's why. But, you know, I, I'm sure it'll be good. So, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued in this. It, it should be a good match. Uh, next up, we have Dakota Kai versus Candice LeRae. Dakota Kai comes out looking quite nice, I must say. Um, and uh, I like her gear. She, she looks really good. The black and white, you know, the, the they go really well together with her and her angry face. Uh, eventually, uh, the Dakota Kai gets the dirty roll-up win with a handful of tights after the match. Uh, Candice tries to go after her, but Dakota Kai grabs a ring bell and sort of... Uh, well, uh, she sort of like walks towards Dakota, who's near the ring bell, and she pulls her down, smashing her into the ring bell. Then Tegan Knox comes out to defend Candice LeRae, and then they both get into a brawl with security coming and separating them too. So, yeah. Uh, good stuff. Not, not bad. Um, there was uh, accidental blood in this as well, so yeah. Uh, we then have a match between Johnny Gargano and Cameron Grimes. So uh, this, again, these guys put on a really, really good match. Johnny Gargano doesn't know how to put on a bad match. I've said this before. Uh, but eventually, Johnny Gargano puts um, the, the Gargano escape on and gets the win. Grimes taps immediately. And uh, after the match, Gargano is sort of like angry at... Uh, at the, well, towards the camera, he's yelling, uh, obviously insinuating that he's gonna beat the shit out of Finn on Sunday. Yeah, this. By the way, if you don't know, Takeovers on Sunday, not Saturday. Uh, it's one of the first ones to do that, if not the first one to do that. Can't remember. Um, Cameron Grimes, I think, is gonna be a, a player in this. Uh, the the website that I'm using to to do these notes as well agrees with me. Uh, we then have a number one contenders match between Leo Rush and Angel Garza. This was shocking because I thought Angel Garza was definitely going to win this. But nope. Angel Garza loses this match. I didn't. I don't even know how. Uh, Leo Rush hit the final hour from the top rope to the outside. So if the, fly, the final hour is the frog splash. And then there were a bunch of you know false finishes. But then eventually... Uh, Angel Garza gets uh, rolled up, and uh, Leo Rush wins. Leo Rush goes up to the top of the ramp, and over there, out comes Jordan Devlin. And he's like, yep, I'm going to kick your ass. So we're going to get that match next week. I don't know if this means that Angel Garza's moved to Raw. It might be. So I don't know, because that's the only thing that makes sense to me right now. Uh, we then have a match between Bianca Belair and Santana Garrett. Uh, the, so there's so many matches here, which is good. You know, it's like boom, 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 boom. Uh, this match was barely like two minutes, or not not even two, like a minute. Um, Bianca Belair hits the KOD and picks up the win. She grabs a microphone and talks about how Rhea Ripley is looking past her, and uh, she's looking straight at Charlotte Flair for at WrestleMania 36. But then Rhea Ripley comes out. And she says, I'm I'm not looking past you. I'm looking at you right now. And on Sunday, I will go through you. And then both women end up in a brawl. Um, This was okay. Like, it, it was good. I don't know how much stock I have in Bianca Belair. So, I don't know what to say about that. But, yeah, hey, you know. 
I guess I guess we'll see you on Sunday. Uh, we then have a match, our main event, which was Adam Cole versus Kushida. So Undisputed Era slowly, you know, sort of making up for all the people that they beat up last week. But um, yeah, and we also had a promo with uh, Mark Henry talking about Dominic Dajakovic versus Keith Lee. So that was there at some point in the in the show. Um, but anyway, so back to the main event. Adam Cole defeats Kushida. This was a good match. Um, both guys are really good. Kushida had a great showing, honestly. And uh, yeah, Adam Cole hits the... Well, he So Kushida was doing this uh, springboard um, backflip sort of thing. Uh, onto I don't know exactly what move he was going for because he just stopped midway. I don't know if he was going to go for another somersault or moonsault or what he was doing. But Adam Cole hits him in the back. With a super kick, and then drops Kashida. He goes for the pin, but I think because he didn't get all of it, they didn't like it wasn't timed perfectly well. Like he he did touch him, but he didn't hit him exactly how I guess he wanted to. So Kashida didn't fall properly, and I guess maybe they they called an audible and they were like, "Listen, just kick out, and I'll do the last shot." So I guess he kicked out, and then Adam Cole does the last shot, and and he wins the match. Uh, right after the match, as Adam Cole is celebrating, Tommaso Champ comes out. They get face to face, and Adam Cole's like, "I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of you." So, <sighs> I'm worried, man. I'm worried. I don't want Adam Cole to lose the title. I really don't. But uh, I don't think he will. So before I get to AEW, let's do the predictions for the show, uh, because you know, while we're in talks of uh, a uh, of NXT, NXT. Oh, I've actually forgotten something important. How could I forget? Throughout the night, we see vignettes. Of the Broserweights. And this was brilliant. This was so good. It was like, it's something that you remember for years to come. Because they used to do these back in the day with the Attitude Era and stuff. And they, they haven't done these in ages. And this was so much fun. I fucking loved it. Um, so the Broserweights are trying to get the trophy to Portland. And they don't know how. And uh, so they, they have a rent-a-car. They put the trophy in the rent-a-car. The cops stop them. Uh, they get out of the car. And then suddenly the car is being towed away. And they're like, oh, what do we do now? They end up in the middle of a lake on one of those like swan pedaling boats. And they're like, what do we do? And then Matt Riddle's like, oh, I have an idea. And then they go and they're suddenly at the airport and they see a plane. And uh, he's like, is this really ours? He's like, yeah, 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 get in. So he takes him there and then he throws him into like the fucking the, the wheel bay. And <laughs> Pete Dunn is like, what are you doing? He's like, shut, shut up. And he's like, wait, who's, whose plane is this? As soon as he says that, it cuts away to Triple H. Who's getting on his private jet. And yeah, the Triple H gets into the plane and you, you can hear Triple H's music play. And then you hear uh, Matt Riddle going like, we're going to Portland. So it was, it was really good. I loved it. Um, it, was, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I really, really liked this segment. Um, good stuff from, from the Broserweights. Um, anyways, yeah, so uh, over to NXT TakeOver Portland predictions. Let's start off with Dakota Kai versus Tegan Knox in a street fight. I think Dakota Kai is going to win this because Tegan Knox won the first one and Dakota has enough sort of, you know, weapons and stuff at her disposal to win. So I'm going to say Dakota Kai here. Um, then we have Finn Balor versus Johnny Gargano in a singles match. I think think Finn Balor is going to take the win here as well. Um, two bad guys, I know, but um, NXT is very different. Like this bad guy, good guy stuff is really hard to predict. So I think Finn Balor is going to defeat Johnny Gargano and then maybe 
Johnny gets a win over him later, you know? Or maybe Johnny... Actually, you know what? Maybe Johnny gets the first win and then Finn Balor comes back for revenge. Um, but I don't think so. I think Finn Balor gets the win here and then Johnny's like, fuck you, I'm still... I still want to kick your ass. So perhaps that's the narrative here. Uh, we have the North American champ- NXT North American Championship singles match between Keith Lee and Dominic Dajakovic. I think Keith Lee is retaining his title here. And getting the win, so no disqualification. I think Keith Lee gets a win here. And finally, puts an end to this amazing series of matches that both these giant men have had uh, over all these months, I guess. Um, So yeah, Keith Lee picks up the win there. Uh, And then we have the Undisputed Era, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly versus the Brozerweights for the NXT Tag Team Championships. Oh, I think Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly lose it, and the Broserweights win the titles here. I think the Broserweights are winning the titles. Uh, it's risky. It's a risky call, but I think that's the direction that they're going. So, let's see. Uh, Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair for the NXT Women's Championship. Rhea Ripley wins this one um, convincingly, I think, as well. <laughs> but uh, I hope Bianca gets a gets a title in the future. I really do. She's she's very good, very athletic. And uh, our final match, the main event. Uh, we've got six matches on this, by the way, which is a first for NXT. So one of these matches might be really short. Uh, we've got Adam Cole versus Tommaso Ciampa in a singles match for the NXT Championship. Uh, I don't want to say Tommaso Ciampa. I'm going to say Adam Cole. I think Adam Cole retains and then goes to WrestleMania and maybe loses it in a fatal four-way match between... Adam Cole, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, and Finn Balor. I hope that's the the main event at WrestleMania, the takeover at WrestleMania. That would be amazing. <gasps> oh, amazing. So, yeah. Um, those are the NXT predictions. So, uh, let's jump over to the competition with AEW Kang. Um, we've got the AEW Tag Team Championship opening match of the night. AEW Tag Team Tap 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 Tag Team Championship match between Hangman Page and Kenny Omega versus SCU. Um, the champions retain their titles, and uh, what's it called? After the match, um, we we see the so basically there was a buckshot. Let me show how the finish was. Buckshot Lariat into the V-Trigger combo to uh, to Frankie Kazarian. Is he, does he still go by Frankie Kazarian or is he just Kazarian now? I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, uh, they they hit that to Kazarian, let's say, and uh, they pick up the win. So that's that's how they win. Uh, Adam Page is celebrating with the crowd. And then suddenly uh, Dark Order make their way to the ring, followed by the Butcher, the Blade, and Bunny, and the Hybrid 2. And SCU standing in the ring. Then best friends come out and the Young Bucks. And a brawl ensues. And uh, the good guys stand tall after the Young Bucks sort of... Uh, Orange Cassidy comes out as well from behind. Uh, so uh, Dark Order standing on the ramp. And then they turn around. They see Orange Cassidy. They turn back around. The Young Bucks super kick them and stand tall. So good stuff. Good stuff. Um, at the right at the start of the match, we see like this Dark Order thing and... Um, Christopher Daniels, who was ringside, uh, just leaves. He's like, I got this. I got this. So are they teasing that he is? Because even commentary is like, well, if he wants to, if he wants to, you know, sort of like clarify his allegiances, well, don't just go where those guys are because now like you're throwing shade towards yourself and like now people don't know. 
So I don't know if AEW is a company that would be like, oh, we'll tease it. And then when people expect, oh, okay, they're not going to do it now. Well, nope, we did it. There you go. They they were suspicious and, well, you guessed it right. So that would be really good and interesting. Um, we then have a match between Sammy Guevara and Dustin Rhodes. Uh, this guy is like fucking 50-something. How the fuck is he still wrestling so well? It's incredible. Absolutely incredible how well he wrestles. And Dustin Rhodes, man, gets the win here. He hits a inverted... So there's a, in this match, there's a inverted GTS. There is a Canadian Destroyer. And then he hits a Final Reckoning, which I think is an excellent finisher. It's such a good finisher. It's like a suplex, but you don't complete the suplex. You just do a, a neck breaker in, in the middle of the air. So, uh, really, really good stuff, and I, I really liked it. Um, after the match, Jake Hager is taking Sammy Guevara up on the top of the ramp. Uh, as they're walking away, Dustin Rhodes grabs the mic. He's like, hey, turn around. Sammy Guevara turns around. He's like, not you. I'm talking to Jericho's bitch. Hager stops dead in his tracks. He's like, are you just going to uh, – are you ever going to have a match or are you just going to keep collecting paychecks? He's like, you broke my arm. I want to have a match against you, so uh, I want to see you – at Revolution, so apparently Jake Hager versus uh, versus Dustin Rhodes is gonna be the match at uh, at the pay per view at Revolution. So this the the back, the promo was excellent, excellent stuff. Like this guy is so impressive. Um, we then have Britt Baker on top of the ramp with uh, with Tony Schiavone. She gives Schiavone a hug, and then she basically talks shit about uh, Texas. She had some good good stuff, and then she sort of even like made a reference to Whataburger. I've never had Whataburger, so I don't know how good it is. But yeah, um, the the crowd in Texas was not very happy with her talking about Whataburger. So I guess she has the heat that she wants, sort of, right? I don't know. Uh, we then have our AEW Women's Championship match: Rio versus Nyla Rose. Uh, this match was. Uh, it was a decent match, but finally, Nyla Rose defeats Rio and wins the cha- the championship. Uh, Rose even attempts a one-winged angel, but Rio counters and hits some snapdragon suplexes. Uh, she hits the double stomp, but uh, Nyla Rose got her foot on the rope, and eventually the beast bomb was hit. Nyla Rose gets the win. After the match, she goes backstage, and she sees like no one celebrating her victory, no bubbly or anything for her, which she makes a reference to Jericho. And uh, Kenny Omega tries to shake her hand, but she's like, nope, fuck off. So, uh, yeah, proper heel stuff, getting getting red hot shit here. Um, there was, I'm just going to quickly talk about this and address it because it happened, but uh, Sean Morley, a.k.a. Val Venus, um, he has uh, some problems about Nala Rose. And uh, he's he's not been very nice about it, and honestly, he's being a piece of shit on and just calling her a man and he's like you know let her go get her balls and you know shit like i don't want to repeat what he said it's really degrading and just not not good stuff so um yeah that it wasn't good was not good we then have a match between mjf and jungle boy mjf is accompanied by wardlow and uh but ringside or not ringside but uh by commentary table is Brandy Rhodes, who's sitting on commentary for this match, and she's completely out of her gimmick. Have they just completely abandoned that whole thing that she was doing? Because 
the fans were not very happy with it or like I don't know I don't know what happened to that but it just suddenly disappeared which is really really weird so yeah um but Brandy Rhodes is just sitting there and then uh this match was was a it was a decent match um but Jungle Boy uh was sort of on the offense and then MJF is like over the ropes and Wardlow hands him the the ring the diamond studded ring the $10,000 diamond studded ring and MJF puts out his hand punches Jungle Boy in the head and then falls down throws the ring away and uh, Wardlow collects it and uh, then he hits the double cross which is basically the crossroads but he calls it the double cross and picks up the win and after the match Wardlow uh, so this sort of looked like an F5 but it's I guess this is like a modified airplane spin launch so he does the airplane spin and uh, throws throws uh, Jungle Boy onto the ground and uh, Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt rush to the ring but you know um, MJF and Wardlow are out of there, so yeah, it was it was okay. Uh, these guys are both obviously the future of the company, so I guess they have to sort of build them up. MJF is really good, but uh, yeah, do more. Uh, we then have our main event, which is the match of the blinds, where it's uh, John Moxley versus Santana. Both of them are, have one eye fucked. And uh, this match was, uh, it was funny because Moxley, the whole match they're selling that Moxley is used to like having one eye. So, or and, and Santana isn't. So Santana makes some blunders. He actually bumps into Ortiz at some point. Ortiz even like spits alcohol in, in Moxley's good eye. And then uh, even after that, Santana hits like a frog splash, but only two count. And yeah, Moxie's basically just kicking ass. And then uh, on commentary, uh, we we hear Jericho talking about uh, Jeff Cobb because uh, he's like, yeah, next week. So, or right before that, I'm I'm sorry, I I seem to have missed a part of that. Jericho comes out and he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck you up. And uh, next uh, next week, Jeff Cobb, who I've never seen before, in all honesty, is gonna come to AEW and kick your ass. And uh, so he's selling that the whole match, right? And then eventually Moxley hits the paradigm shift and gets the win. But then right after the match, the fucking entire inner circle is there kicking his ass. And then Jericho stands there and the music hits. And out comes this Jeff Cobb guy who basically beats the shit out of, um, out of Moxley. So even though Moxley gets the win, but yeah. And I don't know if it's going to be a match next week. Um, I'm not sure if they've if they said that, but yeah, uh, I think I think they're sort of building towards Moxley versus Cobb, or is this just like he's going to come out and beat the shit out of Moxley? I'm not sure. I'm not exactly sure, but this Cobb guy looks impressive. You know, I like the move that he hit. It was it was cool, interesting move. He's a big guy too. So. Uh, yeah, but that was NXT and AEW, the Wednesday Night War. Um, the the ratings for NXT this week went up, uh, or the viewership, let's say. The, so it was 757, so 757,000 people watched NXT. AEW was 817. I think that was exactly what it was last week. I can't remember what it was. But it, it was either not too far from there or it may have dipped. I can't remember. But, uh, yeah, NXT's definitely gone up. I know that. 
Um, so yeah, so interesting, interesting stuff. NXT is obviously they have a go home show, and people want to watch, you know, the go home show. I guess so. Um, again, good stuff from both shows, and uh, yeah, I guess we'll see how we come out of uh, NXT Takeover Portland now. So let's let's see how that goes. And I don't know if takeovers are gonna be a Sunday thing from now on. So let's see. Anyways, with that being said, I think it's time for five of the week. Five of the week. Trailing this week is Velveteen Dream. He's back. He didn't even need to come to the ring, but everyone popped and his promo is really good. And, you know, it was, it was good stuff. It's good stuff. He's making it really personal. And I like that. It's, it's got that edge to it. So, uh, yeah, Velveteen Dream, good promo and uh, built the built the match up really well for next week. So Velveteen Dream, number five. Number four, Dustin Rhodes. I mean, this guy is so fucking good at his age still wrestles so well and he cuts excellent promos like if he didn't i mean i don't know what i would you know because like he comes from the era where like cutting a promo is important for your life you know what i mean and he did it so fucking well and yeah i'm i'm it was his match is like how is he he hits canadian destroyer he does fucking like these these sentons and he does like crazy shit for his age it's amazing he's so so good dustin rhodes man number four Number three has to go to Otis. I felt so bad. His acting was really good. He looked so upset and he was very funny. And I just love the guy. How can you hate this guy? He's so, so much fun. Fucking love Otis. Otis, number three. And number two is a tie because they're a tag team now. The Broserweights, that whole thing was so good. So fucking good. It's going to be very, very memorable. And I love, I love these vignettes and... I honestly think that it's it's such it's so good because like you could watch this back and and actually laugh as well because they're they're just like two polar opposite people and I think that's why it works so well. So yeah, Broserweight number two and number one has to go to Matt Hardy. Uh, he might never make this list ever again. So uh, for that sort of reason, I you know again it's my list. <laughs> and but honestly, his promo was really good. And it sort of, you know, took you back. If you if you watch wrestling from from that point, or if you were watching during that time, and and you remember that storyline, how much of a big deal it was that Matt Hardy got fired, and he came back, and like he just came out of the crowd, no music, started attacking Edge. Edge and Lita did that thing at the wedding as well, where they just like played Matt Hardy's music. It was like really really good stuff, and the fact that he alluded to that, and he's like, I've forgiven him, and we're friends again. You know, it was a sense of closure that. I felt like I needed because I was so invested in that storyline. So, yeah, uh, Matt Hardy, number one for that promo and that whole thing. And, you know, hopefully he's not gone from WWE and hopefully they do something good with him. So, yeah, so that's the five of the week, you guys. Now, you ask the questions. I have the answers. It's time for KJ's Q&A. All right. First question is from Anthony Fitzpatrick at a Fitz twenty seven. Which wrestler would you like to see in the octagon? Uh, well, Brock Lesnar. I'd like to see him go back. Like, 
but I don't think he will. Um, if you're counting Cain Velasquez, I'd like to see Cain Velasquez go back and stay there. You know, just go stay there in 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 your little world of uh, MMA. I don't want to see Cain Velasquez as in in the capacity that he was on SmackDown. I don't think anyone did. He was not good. So either build him up and then you know bring him in, or just don't just don't bring him in. Uh, but if if you're asking me for someone who has never been in the octagon, um, someone it would have to be someone athletic, someone fast. Um, I think I think I'd like to see maybe Andrade. I don't know. I feel like Andrade would be a good fighter. I feel like he's he's agile and flexible enough, and I feel like he would be able to you know do things smoothly without really like I rarely see Andrade botch things. Which is really impressive for the, all the stuff that he does. Like, I'm I'm a big fan of Andrade, Andrade and Angel Garza. Like, I know both these guys that Zelina Vega is managing. Fucking love both of them. Really, really good. But yeah, in terms of MMA, I would maybe like to see Andrade. It's uh, a little out of left field there. Uh, we only have one more question. Cami Hutton at Fat Pirlo. Who would be one wrestler you would have really wanted to meet, but is dead? Oh, is dead. Um, who would I want to meet but is dead? Um, I mean, Eddie Guerrero comes to mind. I don't know. I mean, I, I liked Eddie. I definitely liked Eddie a lot. But I wouldn't say, like, I, I'd always really wanted to meet him. Um, who are the other dead wrestlers that I would want to meet? Um, I can't really think of anyone. I don't remember anyone that... I was like, oh, maybe Roddy Piper. I'd like to meet Roddy Piper. I like Roddy. And, uh, yeah, he was uh, he was very entertaining. I, I really liked the stuff that he did. Uh, you know, obviously, when his, in his in the prime of his career. And uh, then, even when he came back as... I believe he was... Uh, what was his name? Sean... Uh, ooh, what the fuck was the guy's name? Sean something. Or something Sean. Jeez, I have his face in my mind. But I can remember. Sean. There's Sean. Some Sean. You guys are probably killing yourselves. Just If you remember who I'm talking about, he managed this guy, Sean something or something Sean. Uh, please just tweet me and remind me what the fucking guy's name is because I can't remember right now. But yeah. Um, even when he came back during that time, he was good. I liked him in a managerial role because you know, he's a talker. So yeah, I'd say I'd have to say uh, Roddy Piper. Um, unfortunately, I, I posted the thing really late and started recording really early, so I couldn't really get much time between the questions here. So I apologize. Uh, but again, next week I'm sure we'll have some more. Now, trivia time. This was piss easy, so congratulations. Because uh, I mean, yeah, you if you if you didn't get this right, if you attempted and you got it wrong, you're an idiot. Anthony Fitzpatrick and at Carrie Neck have both correctly guessed that it was Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So The Rock is, uh, was obviously, if you hear the mannerisms and stuff, you get it. So uh, here's The Rock before I play the new one. Here, take a listen. You see, Rikishi, with everything that The Rock did to you last night at Survivor Series, beating you in the middle of the ring, one, two, three. With every rock bottom, with every people's elbow, The Rock still stands before you tonight, not satisfied. You see, Rikishi, 
With every bonsai drop, with every sledgehammer to the chest, with every ounce of blood that The Rock was spitting up, The Rock doesn't want you to bring it. No, 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 no. The Rock is simply going to bring it to you. And Rikishi, this tag match tonight, it's not about winning, it's not about losing. The Rock could care less whose shoulders get pinned. Whether you pin somebody's shoulders, whether you pin the tail on the donkey, or whether Rikishi, your mama, pins a note to your chest that says, The Rock just whooped my big fat candy ass. That is The Rock. And now, take a listen to this and guess who it is. Send any responses to at Roped in Pod. It'll be the pin tweet right on top. And uh, yeah, if you if you can guess it like Carrie Neck and Anthony Fitzpatrick, I'll be very proud of you. Um, so yeah, um, that is it for trivia. And now it is time for your fantasy league, you pieces of shit. Fuck you all. I hate you so much. I didn't even look at my points. I didn't even look at them. Sasha's not there. Andrade's not there. I'm not even fucking looking. Fuck that shit. Um, third position, it's just between you fuckers. It's like four of you guys are just battling within each other now. It's just one's up, one's down, blah, blah, blah. Atif B93 is 170 points in third position. Number two is a tie between 123 Ali and Cyprian 1914 with 190 points. I checked your teams, by the way, both of you guys. And you both have different teams. I don't understand how your points are the same. It's really weird. Both of you have different teams, but your points are identical every week. It's really weird. And 10 points ahead of you is number one, Kyle in... Well, he's not Kyle in moderation now, but uh, it's Kyle at Restless Monarch uh, with 200 points. So Kyle in a big, big lead. I don't even know how many points I have. Maybe I have like 45 or 50 points. I don't know, but yeah. I don't even know. Fuck this shit. I'm not happy. Whatever. So yeah, uh, those are congratulations to you guys. Uh, well done, well played. And uh, yeah, let's see how you guys fare until Elimination Chamber. If you can be all the way up there until the end of it. So uh, yeah, again, congratulations to to Kyle for leading this week. And uh, yeah, so that's it for the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, make sure you follow at that KJ guy across all major social media platforms at Roped in Pod across all major social media platforms as well. Uh, YouTube.com forward slash that KJ guy. And uh, don't forget a lot of YouTube content coming your way soon. I'm just planning it out. I'm trying to make sure that whenever I put the content out, I know how I'm going to do it, how I'm going to regiment it, how it's going to be seasoned off. And um, here's an idea that was floating around as well. So, since Roped In Podcast Fantasy League is a thing, 
I'm thinking of having a season from WrestleMania to WrestleMania. So this is probably going to be roped in season one. And then we have season two, three, four, five. And, you know, I might change up the logo a little bit and stuff. So let's see. You know, I have ideas floating around. So let's see how what I can do and formulate into or what I can formulate. It's formulate even the word what I can create out of this. Let's see. But yeah, so uh, make sure you follow or subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash that KJ guy for content coming your way. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Five-star reviews make such a enormous difference, you guys. Honestly, you have no idea. Um, it, it brings in the listeners. And honestly, listeners have increased. Uh, I'm coming close to 4,000 downloads within like three months. So that's incredible. Thank you so much. It's all because of you guys. And I wouldn't be here without you guys. And I really, really appreciate it. All your questions and everything. All of you that listen, you're you're fantastic people. Genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. And uh, I appreciate the support. Thank you. Thank you so much. And yeah, so keep a, keep an eye out for all the content coming your way. I will be doing the, the NXT TakeOver Portland podcast as well. It'll be a short review of what the show was and if anything took place. And potential, you know, forthcoming storylines and shit like that. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, yeah, that's it, folks. So again, I love you all. Thank you for listening. And like always, if you're still here, KJ out. <laughs>